welcome to another episode of the Our Generation Pod. The reason you can't hear Alex Bullimore's voice today is because Alex is... I'm actually not sure what Alex is. I'm just going to assume he's on um, run from international police because he's been in several different countries. Um, but he, he will be back next week to review Blackburn. Uh, so I'm joined by, obviously, uh, regular Mr. Dan Lambert. Hello, Dan. Hello. And a uh, very special guest, if we are... We are nothing if not uh, sort of uh, trend hoppers uh, at the RGen pod. And we've got the uh, the man making waves on QPR Twitter, Mr. R Insights, also known as Harry Edwards on today. Harry, pleasure to have you on. Happy to be here, guys. Excited to get going. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, we uh, got some interesting topics to discuss. Uh, you know, the season starts on Saturday. Uh we have, uh, well, we covered Taylor Richards last week, but we have some transfer transfer rumours to discuss. But we'll start with uh, the friendly on Saturday. So, uh, obviously, Saturday, we played Crystal Palace, our final friendly, or our final friendly not behind closed doors. Uh, we obviously lost 3-0. Um, Dan, you were at the game. What, what was your takeaway from that game? Is it a big deal? Was the result a big deal? No, the result the result don't matter in preseason. Um, we have probably our first real test in terms of quality. Obviously, they're the likes of Eze, Zaha, Schluck, you know, good 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 Premier League quality players. So the result wasn't disheartening, but um, no, it was nice. It was nice to see them in the flesh, and it was more of a focus really off the ball than on the ball because obviously Palace they were expected to have a lot of possession, but it was a decent game. Harry, I know you weren't at the game, but um, do you think people are reading a little bit too much into the result? Yeah, for me, the result, it doesn't really mean anything at all. And if you look at the goals, two goals from outside the box and a penalty, we haven't really given away too many clear-cut chances there, apart from there was the one uh, Ben Teke missed at the end, but he ended up being offside. So I think, yeah, like Dan said, the defensive structure looks good when we're set. Um the trigger, uh, pressing triggers coming through. But what I'm worried about slightly is being caught on the counter. And I think that showed a couple of times where just a side like Palace with the athleticism that they've got, players like Schluck in the midfield, who in the Premier League doesn't look all that, but then against some of our midfielders who aren't quite as quick, he drove through a few times. And I think that's what we might be slightly lacking in the midfield, just a bit of athleticism and power, but hopefully... Um, I'm sure we'll get onto it, but hopefully new boy Taylor Richards is going to bring that. <laughs> well, hold that thought because I did want to touch on something you said. So um, something I noticed, uh, and, you know, this is part and parcel of obviously getting your wing back so high, is that oftentimes we were caught on the counter-attack a little bit. Um, and obviously, you know, the Premier League's a lot more athletic league and, you know, Crystal Palace as a side, they have a lot of, like, really physically impressive athletes. Um, but do you worry that, you know, with with so much space on the flanks, do you worry that we're going to be vulnerable to be caught on the counter-attack times this season, either of you? Um, well, I'll go in first, Dan, if that's all right. Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing. That I think when we play against the counter-attacking side, that's when we're going to really know where we're at with this system because it's, so, it's nice to think about the on-the-ball stuff and... It's a great attacking system with the uh, with the high fullbacks, but we're going to see it on Saturday because a team like Blackburn they play quick in transition. Um, they're going to get and they're going to use those channels like 
Brereton Diaz, I reckon he'll probably be up top, but he likes to run in those channels. So if we've got players that are up high, those channels are going to be exploited. So that's something that I am slightly worried about, but we'll see because those those eights, they do tend to sit in that half fullback position. Um, so that could be a way to potentially counteract that, but we just have to see it in action really. And um, you guys, you saw the whole game, you got to see a little snippet of that on, on the weekend, but still friendly. So we'll see as the season comes on. Danny, I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm a bit yes and no for me. I think obviously if they've got the pace and the power, then it's a, it's a threat, but I think the only thing that lends in our favour is the fact that they're out in the out wide in the channels. Obviously, it'd be, I'd be a bit more worried like last season under Warburton where a lot of central space was given to teams um, closer to the goal. Uh, it just all depends on how we're set up in the middle because if, if we're lending space to teams out wide and we're not giving them space in, in, inside the pitch or close to the penalty area, then I'm not too worried myself. But like Harry said, it depends on the test we get against transitional sides. My point there is, say Kakai is right up in a right wing position and they switch the ball out wide to Gallagher or Diaz who is, or whoever's out there and Dickie's got to come across, then suddenly then there is space in that inside area, which is dangerous. So if the side's good on the counter-attack, um, no matter where they're hitting you, if they're quick enough in transition and our fullbacks are high, I think that, yeah. But I do agree, it's much better to afford space there than through the middle, but still, it can be dangerous out there. It can be very dangerous out there with good wide players like that. Mm. Yeah, I find it quite interesting as well because oftentimes uh, when teams do play with fullbacks quite high, uh, oftentimes you'll see the defensive midfielder will kind of slot in and sort of create a back three. Um, which is why I kind of assumed going straight into it and me and Dan wrote an article about it. That's a shameless plug for our journey and it won't be the last one. Um, <laughs> um, that's why I assumed um, Sam Field would be there because obviously Sam Field's played centre-back before and I thought, you know, naturally Sam Field drops in and, you know, Dickie and Clark Salter or Dunn, whoever's playing there, you know, make it sort of a wide back three. But it looks as if, Johansson's sort of a bit more of a distributor than a destroyer. What what do you think about that, Dan? Yeah, he's he's definitely playing as the, the lone six. I think what was interesting against Palace was there was a bit more uh, rotations in midfield. Uh, some of the time, Phil dropped in. Uh, Dazelle dropped in. I think Harry and me spoke about earlier last week that we see Dazelle as kind of a, a Johansson backup, if you like, in that sixth role. Um, he's definitely there to build up and he drops in between the centre-backs and around them. But I, I think Phil could be used as a six. He was used at, against Palace a little bit, but he doesn't offer the same all-playing ability as Johansson, which I think is the main reason why he is that lone six. Mm. OK, any any final thoughts on uh, how we played before I move on to the, the burning topic? I don't think so. I thought I was, in, I was impressed with the pressing um, when Palace were building up. Obviously, they played through us a few times, but... That's to be expected with that that quality. I think the Courier was playing, which was a new £20 million signing. So um, we won't be playing up against that week in, week out. Um, but no, it was promising signs, to be fair. Um, yeah, last thing from me, although I didn't see all of it, the bits that I saw, I do think that we have got quality in midfield on the ball, like good for this league on the ball. And we've got options with Richards coming in now, and I've touched on it on my page. 
I think he's sort of the missing piece or Amos, one of those two. But at the minute, it was a bit one-dimensional, but Dazelle on the ball, I think, is brilliant. It, there's something missing from his game. Hopefully, that will come in. Johansson's great on the ball. And Field's deep. I think Field's decent on the ball. It's not his, it's not his strong point, but he doesn't give it away too much. Um, but I think, yeah, Dazelle and Johansson they look good and they can pick a pass. So if they can look good against that opposition, and as we touched on earlier, they're physical, athletic, they press you to high intensity, they can look good against Premier League players like that. And I'm hoping our midfield should be able to boss games going into this new season. Yeah, well, let's hope so. But anyway, on to the burning topic. It's what everybody has been talking about. Abire Eze came back to Loftus Road on Saturday. Um some people very excited to see him. I was I was sat in the uh, I was sat in the B block, and uh, there's quite a few kids around me. They're very excited to see him. Some people less excited. Some people not very happy with the treatment he was getting. Some people felt he was getting too good treatment, based off the actual service he gave to the club. Dan, do you think that Eze is probably getting a little too nice treatment from the fans? No, not really. Um, it was a pre-season friendly for one, so don't really see the issue with people applauding his goal. Um, I mean, for for people like us around our age, he's probably one of the better players we've seen at QPR compared to the older generation. So I can see some of their viewpoints to an extent, but I think a lot of them are just miserable old men that have nothing in their lives, really. <laughs> careful now, Dan, careful. Um, <laughs> Harry, what do you think? Do you think he's getting legend treatment? I saw that phrase thrown around a bit this week. Um, yeah, he is. I just think it's weird to clap a goal scored against you. I don't see a problem with any of the other stuff, like um, the stuff on the social media. Like, I saw even someone throwing uh, the toys out there because someone had liked a picture of Eze on Twitter and Someone said, this is so sad, QPR fans liking this. And I thought, that's weird. But for me, clapping the goal, I don't think, unless it's like Ronaldo, Ronaldo's goal that got clapped by Juve fans, the bicycle kick. Um, unless it's something like that, I think it's just a bit strange to, to clap a goal scored against you. But the treatment where, you know, the fans are screaming for him as he's getting off the bus, that's fine. Like Dan said, for a lot of the younger kids, especially anyone younger than sort of 15, he probably is the best player they can remember seeing. So that part's fine. But yeah, hopefully we don't see any more clapping of goals scored against us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to say, I, I'm not one for sort of clapping any goal that goes against you, even if it's a good goal. I think the only time I've probably come close to it, supporting QPR, was... Do you remember a few years ago in the Premier League when um, Pella scored that um, that bicycle kick against us? Yeah, Southampton. Yeah, that, that's the closest I've come to sort of like clapping an opposition goal. Um, mm. But then on the flip side, I think, you know, it's a friendly. I feel like things would have been a little bit different had it been a, um, had it been a competitive game. I remember going to Cardiff away last season and... Um, People gave Smithies a decent reception when he came on the pitch um, or came to our end anyway for the second half. And then within about five minutes, people were singing your, your shit and you know you are. So, <laughs> um, so I think if it was a competitive game, I'm sure it would have been a little bit different. Um, 
But I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're both saying. Um, but anyway, on now we've got all the Twitter nonsense out of the way, as we do on our gen. Uh, the season does actually start this week. Uh, whether Sky Sports would have you believe it or not, there is football outside of the Premier League, and it does start this weekend. Uh, we are up against Blackburn Rovers. Um, very interesting fixture. Two very similar sort of collapses last season. Two almost identical situations in terms of a new manager's coming in. Uh, obviously, Michael Beale is our new manager. John, Tal- John Dahl Tomasson, forgive me for that pronunciation, has just come in as Blackburn Rovers after a stint at Malmo. Um, yeah, I guess this is quite an interesting preview because I suppose we don't really know what to expect in that regard. But, you know... What should we expect is my question for you two. The impossible question. I think, um, yeah, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go first, yeah. that's right. Um, yeah, I think looking, reading a few um, journalist piece, pieces on them uh, over the last few weeks, seems like they, they're going towards a 4-2-3-1. Um, they've still got the bulk of their squad. Obviously, they lost Van Heck, who was their player of the year, I think. Um, trying to, and they lost Kadra. Um, and Still got Burrow, Lenehan and Rothwell. Yeah, as well. Lenehan, yeah, uh, yeah, that, yeah, two good players as well. So they have lost. To be fair, they've lost four, four key players for them, but they've still got Burton Diaz. Um, probably the wrong time to play Blackburn in that sense because he might be sold by the end of the window. Yeah, um, Dan, you jumped the gun on my next topic. <laughs> Jump the gun. But um, yeah, they're they're very much a very much a like a pressing side, like we like we saw at Ewood when we lost um one nil to them. Um got some good players like said Dolan, Brereton Diaz, they've got uh Lewis Travis and John Buckley. So they're they're a decent side to be fair, but um they don't probably don't have the depth like we do at the minute. So just just in terms of Tomasin coming in, he's got a um interesting C V. Um obviously his last job was at Malmo in Sweden and he did he won the uh Good Lord. I'm just going to say the Swedish Premier League. I absolutely cannot pronounce the name of that league. I've been trying for about 20 minutes in preview. Um, and he's also done, he also did quite well in terms of taking Marmo to the Champions League group stage, which I think they, they haven't been in it regularly in the last few years. Um, left in very interesting circumstances at the end of that year. The, the Swedish, the Scandinavian leagues, for those that don't know, they run, they they sort of run like the calendar year. So by the time it's December, November, December time, the year is over. Um, so he left in December of last year. Some very sort of ambiguous circumstances decided he wanted to go. He's taken this job. Um, Harry, do, do you know anything about Tomasin in terms of, you know, style of play, in terms of what, you know, he'll be looking for this Blackburn side to do? I can't say I've watched the Tomasin side. Um, I can't say I have. Um, but you've never watched Swedish Premier League games, no? No, not really. Not <laughs> really. Even, in your, not even to... in your spare time. No, no. <laughs> you, you guys are exposing me. I'm gonna have to delete my my tactical account now. I'm clearly not an avid football watcher. Um, <laughs> but I can I can touch on what I expect from them. Um, like you said, new system. Say so I think last year they were a three-back or a five-back like us, right? Yeah. Yeah, so they're switching to a new system like us, new manager like us. So they're going to be they're going to be in a bit of unknown. But I'd say that they've lost key players and we haven't. So that's that's one thing. I'm not saying I'm hugely confident for this game because I still 
said, I think, uh, I think Travis, sorry, I think he's a cracking player. He's one of them players that you hate to play against. Like, I remember watching him at Loftus Road and he was a proper wind-up, like awful. Mm. But if he was on your team, you'd love him. He's sort of what we're missing in midfield a little bit. Like Field brings it, but just one that's almost just going to be chatting in their ear, you know, and we, have, we haven't really got that, I don't think, and it's horrible to play against. But I think he's the deepest, um, more defensive player. And hopefully with our, we'll be playing with hopefully two tens and a midfielder joining in. Hopefully he'll have his work cut out there. Um, yeah, I've got their, I've got their expected lineup here. Um, and there's a couple of players I don't know. that there's, I remember they were Wharton in defence, but they've got another Wharton in midfield. Um, don't know much about him. And then Carter at the back. The 22-year-old. Um, don't really know much about him, but they've got a strong, they have got a strong side. Um, and looking at it, the first thing a coach will say to you is you've got to win your duels. And I think it's it's gonna be even all over the pitch. I mean, there's a couple where I think we're gonna a couple of areas where we're gonna dominate, a couple of areas where I think they might be stronger, like on their left hand side, Pickering and Gallagher mm. up against Kakai might be might be an area they look to exploit. Um, but yeah, that overload in midfield, I think that's something that we've we've got to look to make the most of. Mm. You spoke about the key players that they've lost, obviously. Um, Joe Rothwell's gone to Bournemouth. Uh, Dara Lennon's left. Uh, Ryan Nyambi's left in probably the, the weirdest transfer I've ever seen. Yeah. Blackburn to Wigan. It's, I've no idea the thinking behind that. Other Terrible than- agent. It, either terrible agent or really good agent because he's well, either, no, apparently he was offered a big big contract at Rovers, but he turned it down. Turned it down to go and live in Wigan. Fair enough. Well, no, he thought he had. I think he thought he had better offers that he was going to get, and then he was a free agent for about a month, and then he's probably going to oh, need a club. Go, go, Wigan. Wigan Athletic. Um, I mean, fair play to Wigan. It's a great signing for them, but I. A little bit surprised by that. But anyway, so, so they've lost a few and obviously the rumours doing the rounds now. Uh, thanks for jumping the gun, Dan. Uh, ben Barrett and Diaz. Uh, West Ham sniffing around Diaz. I suppose this isn't a QPR question, but do, do you think he's West Ham level? I think he's Prem, prem level. Definitely I think he's got, prem the, level. got the potential. Um, don't know. West Ham are a side that play in transition a bit like Blackburn, so I suppose that could lend itself. Um but yeah, no, I haven't really looked too too much into whether he'd be uh, up for West Ham, to be fair. suppose it's about, again, sorry, this is not QPR related at all, but I suppose it's about what West Ham's ambitions are for the season. I'm a bit surprised that West Ham link. But um, but anyway, I, I, I say it to say, um, do we think his head is going to be in the game? Will he even play on Saturday? Will he be in the squad? Yeah, that's what we've got hope for. We've got to hope he's not. I mean... Um, West Ham have just signed Skamaka, haven't they? So maybe that might mean they're not going for him, but they might be looking at him as a option in both positions up top and out wide because he gets used both there. But hopefully he's not playing because he scored, what was it, like 24 goals last year and he was injured for a chunk of it. So yeah, ridiculous. He, he, if, if we had him last season, there's no doubt about it, we, we would have been... <laughs> <laughs> would have gone up. We were ju- and again this season. I I genuinely think we are a good striker away from being serious. Serious. What is, 
Everybody is jumping the gun oh. on my topics today. I'm furious. You, do you guys just want to do it yourself? I, I can. I can. Sorry, mate. Back well, let, let, normally, we move Alex. straight onto that. Then Should we move straight yeah. onto it. Well, I was going to do how. How are we going to line up for Blackburn? But I, it's probably pretty self-explanatory. So go on then. I, we'll get straight into it then. Um, striker, is that the difference between top six and mid-table? A good 15, 20 goal season striker. I think it's the difference. I think I think Dykes has the potential to get a 15 if he's fit. Uh, I think he got 12-13 this first year, and then second year was quite hit and miss with injuries. Um, I do think, personally, I think Dykes isn't the right striker for the system. I think mm-hmm. a, lot of the, a lot of the game in a lot of the game against Palace, you saw they, they didn't really play up to him in build-up. Like under Warburton, he was the perfect striker. He could link play. He could hold the ball up. But I think with um, in, in the Bill system, a bit more transitional. Um, is he mobile enough to to be able to link play and get in the box at the same time? Um, and you got you saw on on Saturday with Adoma and Chet, there wasn't really loads of pace in that front three. Mm. So that 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 I think that's an issue in itself. But I think I think he can score goals, but I don't know if he's the right fit for the for the system to get fifteen goals. So what would you say then? Do you, do you think I think you you might have said on the pod last week to be fair, but would would you say Bonds maybe a better fit than Dykes for the system? Yeah, I think I think Bonds a better fit for the system, but I don't th- I don't think he's as good as Dykes. I think Dykes is better quality. Um, we do definitely need another striker, I think, but can't see it happening for the next week or two. Um, and who we get, I don't know because you look at the profiles that are on offer. Parrot's gone to Preston. Sims is going to Sunderland on loan. Obviously, there's Archer, but. For me, I don't see it as realistic. Uh, I think he'll go to a top two champ side. Um, I don't know. I don't know who else is available really. I, mean, I haven't looked for strikers, but I don't know who else would be available for the right fit and the quality. Okay. okay. Well, for for anybody listening that follows our insights, one you should definitely follow it. It's a great page. Two, if you already follow it, you know exactly which striker Harry wants to come mm. to QPR. Yeah. Would you like take it away? Take it away. Well, yeah, my my priority signing is Archer, and I won't give up that little bit of hope because I've seen I'll literally keep in touch with some of the Villa pages that's looking for a striker, and they're like, he's not said yet. When he gets asked, he said, "If I had to make a decision now, he wouldn't be leaving on loan." And I mean, I just think it makes sense for both parties. But yeah, I do agree. It's not realistic if I take my. You know, if I put my my thinking cap on, it's not realistic. But if you look at um, if you look at Watkins at Villa, like you're saying, you need a bit of pace in behind. Like he he ran that channel really well, that left hand channel quite well. Um, and then I know Armstrong isn't the answer now, but when he played against Wildstone, you see that outlet that he provides. Like he he was he's a willing runner, bit of pace, and I think we need. It'd be great if we had Armstrong in two years now, because then I'd be then I'd be saying starting we've got him there. But he does need he needs a little bit of nurturing to grow. Um, but then I've got a couple of other targets that I thought. I think Liam Delap would be a nice one um, yeah. with Harland and Alvarez joining. I can't see him getting many minutes this year, so I think that'll be a good one. And you never know, Bill's got his connections. Maybe he. Was at his birthday party as a kid or something. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and uh, another one, I didn't see much of him at the gate. Did he play Plange? Um, but I saw him. Yeah, at the yeah he, was on, he was on the right. Yeah, he's on the right side. Good player. Right. It was good. Yeah, I liked him when Derby came, when we relegated them, if any Derby fans are listening. Um, but yeah, I <laughs> thought he was... Listening. <laughs> no, no, they don't really like us, do they? But yeah, I think Plange is a, he's another good option that, I don't know, they've got quite a few strikers there at Palace. He might be one that's going to get a loan. He looked good. He looked a good championship player just in a poor side last year. So if we don't get Archer, the Lap and Plange would be two that I've identified as being happy with. Just from a personal standpoint, and I'm trying to remove all QPR bias from this, look, I understand there's no such thing as a free loan in football. That's a myth. It's a complete myth created by a football manager. Um, but the thing for me, if you look at it with Archer, right, if you are loaning a player or you're sending a young player out on loan, right, with kind of like the, the view of him being part of your first team in the future, so not a Chelsea loan where you're going to sell him, um, a genuine actual loan where it's like this guy's going to be part of the team. You surely want him to be in as close a fit to your system as possible, right? Mm. If, I'm, if I'm Stevie G or whoever's making the decisions at Aston Villa, surely there's no better fit for a player than the assistant manager that the club had the year before. I mean, I get it. Look, what, Watford, are, Watford are sniffing around them apparently. Watford will chuck a very nice loan fee at him and probably pay all his wages fair enough. But I mean... From a logistics standpoint, like, come on, Stevie G, like, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Like, come on. Yeah, exactly the same system as well. And like <laughs> you said, Villa Villa have got money to chuck around. Um, obviously, like you said, there's no such thing as a free loan and there's loan fees. But like you said, I think that for them, if they're, yeah, they want him to be their number nine, probably in a year's time, 18 months time, they probably want him to be their number nine. He's got that. He's got that natural finishing ability that Ings and Watkins just don't, don't have as much of. Um, I think they, yeah, I think they just will want to send him where it's best and let's hope, let's hope it's uh, <laughs> W12. We'll cling on to it. We will cling on to that hope. I think what one other point I've got, in if we're looking in-house, I think Roberts might be an option. Um, we haven't yeah. seen him as a nine. We saw him more as a ten. But he's agile. He can he can beat players one v one. His finishing ability, obviously, most QPR fans will look to his to his goal record, which for me is completely pointless. But I think I think if you get him get him fit, get him firing, he's he's clearly a confidence player, a bit like Dykes. I think we might have a player in there that could play the nine, a bit more mobile, suited to the profile. So I think as much as we need probably need a striker in, I think we could look at Roberts when he comes back from injury. No, I agree. And yeah, he got that pace. The only thing is he's um, underperformed his XG for five years in a row. Um, so the like, I thought Leeds fans were just being a bit harsh, but maybe he is a slightly pony in front of goal. I don't want to write him off, but like it's even Dykes outperformed his XG and everyone says he's a terrible finisher. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I hope it works. I suppose for him, thing, I, I'm quite I suppose excited. Roberts is is you know one. He's 23, I believe, right? Yeah. One thing, um, my brother Josiah, who's definitely listening, hi Josiah. Josiah coaches for Newport County's academy, right? Um, he's doing a good job there. Um, one thing that they tell you in coaching is 23 is the year for forwards where they kind of where they start sort of peaking. 
yeah, they start not peaking, but they start putting out the sort of output you would expect of them. Um, I think that coupled with the fact that I'm not quite sure Tyler Roberts knows what his best position is yet. Um, I think that is probably why the goal record is where it is. It might also be that he's crap. I don't know. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think maybe he's not quite had the fair sort of like crack at the whip for a full season. And maybe if you get it, it would be a bit easier to kind of judge him as a player. But I might be clutching at straws there. I don't know what you guys think. The, the, the interesting thing, I was just having a look back at when, they, when we signed him. Um, I think Bill first he said he was a striker and then a number 10. So I think he might see him as a striker. He definitely said the 23-year-old striker's signed. So I don't know whether that's where he sees him. Or he, not. he talked about him as being a Firmino hybrid hybrid forward player, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I just think I find that interesting as well because as as Harry was, I can't remember if it was you or Harry saying it earlier, but you know, um Chair and Adoma don't necessarily have like blistering pace. They're not exactly guys that run in behind. They're guys that more want to create. And even Willock, Willock's faster than the two of them, but he's not exactly rapid. So I find it quite interesting, sort of Robert sort of dropping deep and sort of facilitating as a striker. Does that work with our two tens in behind? I think it, I think it can work. He's good at linking play. So I suppose if the front three is fluid like Bill wants, and the thing is that's the final third's the area where he's allowing them to basically take take risks, really. So I think it could work. I just don't see... I think Richard's coming in, probably playing the eight, maybe. But I think he's... I, personally, I think he's more of a 10, but it looks like he'll play the eight. Um, with Chair and Willock as the first choice ones and him, maybe as a backup 10. I think where does Roberts really fit in if if Willock and Chair are staying fit and Richard's maybe plays a bit higher up on the pitch? So I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird conundrum, but I'm sure it will fall into place uh, down the line. My final question before we move on to the rest of the transfer business or lack of, um, I'll start with you, Harry. Does Robert start on Saturday for you? Yeah, um, if he's Ooh. the most fit. If he's oh, up, are you saying up top? Anywhere up top as a ten. Yeah, well, I just think Willock isn't going to be ready to start. I just, mm-hmm. I fully believe that because. He's had that big operation. Although we all want to see him back playing, it's just not worth risking. If I'd rather wait three more weeks to see him start than have to go another three months without him playing a game, just because I I think he is by far um, our best player. I think when he put his team on, when he put the team on his shoulders, he's brilliant. Anyway, back back to the Roberts question. Sorry, I was going on. A, Thing. Um, yeah, I, I think I, if he's, he's, I do yeah. the same. I daydream about Chris Willock on a daily basis as well. I know. He's <laughs> unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Yeah, I would like to see Robert start just because, like you said, he's got a bit of pace. Um, whether it's Willock or Robert starting in the 10 with chair, whenever that is, I think they will, they sometimes will drop deep, but I think they will be asked to also run running behind or even Richards or Amos in the eight because Chair that's not really his game he likes to drop in get on the ball um, and Willock even played as a second striker at, some, at times last season didn't he like he was actually up there was whilst Chair was gone um, so I think he'll be asked to do that where Bill had Wendy and Coutinho there they're just they're great players but I think you do need ones that are willing to run in behind as well as come to feet because otherwise it becomes too congested. Um, so I think, yeah, we. I don't want to see, 
I don't want to see Albert starting there. Um, really, I, I love Albert, but I don't think he should start anywhere. Bring him on for like 15, 20 if we're, we're needing a goal, putting the balls in the box. Um, Shadipo, if he's the... F- if none of the others are fit, he could start there. Um, but yeah, if Roberts is fit, I'd I'd play him there. I'd play him as a ten. Down and digress. Pod. Sorry. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's all good. We used to on this pod. Um, it would normally be me, but I'm hosting today. Uh, Dan, does Roberts start for you? Um, probably, probably not. Unless he's unless he's like like Harry said, he's fit and Wallach's not. I think. Probably um, head over heart. I think uh, Adoma will start. Uh, I think he's got. He's probably preferred to Shadipo, um, and I think he's got enough minutes in from preseason to probably suggest that front three would be the same as Saturday. Chair Adoma and Dykes. Um, if Willock and Roberts are fit, then you've probably got some thinking to do. But I just think it's too early to throw them in the deep end straight away. Like bring them on for 30, 40 minutes by all means, but. I just think, um, yeah, it's probably too early to just throw them all in, considering they've only just come back to full full training about less than a week or a week ago. Hello, Alex Puddemore here, not on the run from international police, as suggested by Micah at the start of this episode. I'd just like to come on and say thank you to the three guys for putting together this podcast in my absence. Micah for hosting, Dan for being a great guest as usual, and thank you to Harry from our insights for coming on for the first time. Uh, I'm sure you guys would all agree that they did an excellent job. Unfortunately, the second half of this podcast has been lost. So that's also why I'm here, to do the outro and to say a few things about following us on Twitter. And perhaps if you're looking for an extra fix of QPR in the lack of in the absence of the second half of this podcast, then you can read Micah's fantastic uh, article about Ilias Chair on our generation net. You can find that on our Twitter page uh, and on our web page, of course. So, you know, go read that. It's brilliant. It's well worth a read. It's well worth your time. Also, give us all a follow on Twitter. You probably know our insights. You probably know Dan's. And you probably know Michael's already. But if you don't, go follow him. Go follow our generation on Twitter while you're at it as well. Because there's lots of great stuff going up there quite regularly. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Until next time, come on, you ours. <laughs>